Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas. I've got my co-hosts, Jeff Rutt and Alan Barnhart here with me. It's a real pleasure. This is episode two, and uh, this is the second episode that follows number one, where we simply introduced what we're trying to accomplish on the podcast. And we're going to do this weekly, as we mentioned on the last podcast. And most weeks, we're going to have a new guest for you who's going to share their story as a business owner looking to be generous. And uh, you're in for a real treat because I thought for the for episodes two and for episodes three, we would interview my co-hosts, Jeff Rutt and Alan Barnhart. So today, Alan's going to help me interview Jeff, and we're going to hear his story. We just love listening to stories and telling stories. And really, the goal of this podcast is to simply learn from each other on this sort of countercultural road of being a generous business owners. So with that, Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Why don't you just start by just telling us a little bit about where you grew up and kind of how you got into the business you're in. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. It's a privilege to be here. Grew up with very humble beginnings on a dairy farm here in southern Lancaster County in the country. Very, uh, very modest lifestyle. Got up early in the morning, worked hard and received a lot of uh, discipline training, which I appreciated years later got involved in our church, had a little bit of of a dysfunctional childhood in that my parents were divorced, ended up being separated from my siblings. My dad and I lived together during my teenage years, so spent a lot of time milking cows and learning about agriculture. Got involved in uh, missions, got very interested in missions through our church, ended up leading a junior high group for 22 years. I say it took me 22 years to get out, of, get out of junior high. But so very, very interesting, diverse background. And it turns out 300 bovines are very needy. So ended up deciding to get into something. I was thinking, you know, lower risk, lower hours. So I was thinking new home construction would be a good choice. <laughs> yeah. So ended up becoming a home builder, started really small with building just a couple homes the first year, pre-sold because we didn't really have any cash to go build something or buy anything. Uh, but got a couple banks to believe in us and have grown that business over the last 30 years. We're going to close about 600 homes this year here in South Central PA. And Northern Maryland have been honored with the America's Best Builder Award three times through the years. But it's been a journey. We, we're, uh, the, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, Tim Elmore talks in his book about the paradox of leadership, the eight paradoxes of leadership. And for me, it was a lot of learning and teaching over the last 30 years in the home building side. But uh, I'll take I'll take a breath and let you ask whatever other questions you want to ask and be glad to talk about Hope International. But I'll just take a breath there. Yeah. So uh, I, I love the line about you know, the, the easiest thing you could see getting into is home building. I, I don't think most people view that as a uh, nine to five job. So I'm, I'm picturing you out in the fields 
you know, milking the cows. And what was that transition like getting into the, was it scary? Did you already feel like you had been an entrepreneur? You know, was it the, just the new X's and O's of a new industry, but you were able to apply that work ethic? How do you sort of think about yourself as an entrepreneur? I feel like I've been on vacation every day since I got off the dairy farm. That's what I feel like. <laughs> I love I'm it. serious. It was yeah. a, uh, it, yeah, I didn't really, I saw myself being a dairy farmer for my whole life when I was on the dairy farm, you know, my twenties, I thought that this, I would retire from there. So I didn't really envision a career in home building, but it's been very rewarding. I've, I've had to do a lot of learning and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a, quite a journey. Well, we have, of course, Alan Barnhart on the line as well. And I'd love for, I know Alan is a supporter of, of Hope International. And I think maybe it, it'd be good to bring Alan in to see. Alan, would you mind asking Jeff or maybe have a brief conversation about Hope International? I, don't, I know that's very close to uh, Jeff's heart. And uh, Alan, I know you know a lot about it. Alan, you might, you might chime in here. Alan, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. And uh, yeah, Hope International is one of the premier ministries that, that uh, care for the poor through providing opportunities and providing microfinance and, and, it, uh, we have, and, and the gospel at the same time. So impressed that this home builder started this thing. Jeff, tell us about how you did that. Yeah, well, thanks, Alan. Yeah, that's, I, I was just talking about the eight paradoxes. Another one is just having the, the, the combination of blind spots and vision. We had a lot of blind spots. In 1997, we had done a lot of containers of food and medical supplies through our church, giving them to a sister church in Ukraine through the Slavic Gospel Mission, and had gone through all five steps of toxic charity that Robert Lupton talks about through sending those containers. There was appreciation in that first container that we sent. He talks about the five gifts. Second, second container, there was anticipation, then expectation, then entitlement, and then dependency. And the pastor, Petrenko, said to us at dinner one night, we, we love your intention. We love the fact that you want to help us, but your helping is hurting us. And is there some other way that you can help us help ourselves? And uh, that sent us on a journey. That was hard to hear at the time. And if you're out there looking to do, do something really good for someone. If you're listening to this podcast and, and you feel like you, you are, and, and somebody, you know, somebody says to you that you're, you're helping is hurting, it, it kind of it sends, it, it sets you back a little bit and uh, it sent us on a journey. We ended up finding this, this thing called Christ-Centered Microfinance and somebody told us that it would not work in Ukraine. So of course we said, I bet we can make it work in Ukraine. <laughs> So it sent us on a journey and we started down that. So having the, the blind spots, we didn't know what we didn't know. We didn't know that we didn't know what we didn't know, but God, God had a plan and we prayed through it and we were, uh, had such an incredible blessing of about seven years in having the opportunity to hire Peter Greer, our current president and CEO of Hope International and has written 14 books now, including Mission Drift and a lot of the listeners to this podcast may may have heard him speak or have read one of his books. But if you haven't read Mission Drift or Rooting for Rivals, I would encourage you to do that. But Peter has just grown the organization tremendously. As Alan mentioned, we, we look for ways to, instead of giving that toxic charity, we look for ways to restore dignity 
through allowing the families that we serve use their talents and their gifts and their abilities to support their families and through the process of being a part of these small groups hear the gospel receive discipleship training and look for ways to invite others in invite others to to know Jesus we have a I want to tell you about one client, if I have mm-hmm. time, Jeff, of one of our clients in Rwanda, who is uh, my daughter and I had the chance to meet a few years ago, several of our clients in, in Kigali, Rwanda. But there were these two Muslim women who were really excited about getting a small loan, like a $25 loan to expand their sneaker business. And they were going to do really well in the sneaker business. And you can probably relate to this if you're a small entrepreneur, you know, getting Getting a small loan to like double the size or triple the size of your your revenue is a huge opportunity. But they were not as interested in the the uh, hearing the gospel, and so all of our groups have the five W's: the welcome, worship, word, work, and wrap up. And we they were they would be a, they would pay attention during the the work the work, which was the loan distribution and the loan repayments and learning about their business how their business could improve. But they would sit out on the porch during the you know, the word and the prayer time. But eventually through that year, through the the loan officer, who all of our loan officers are believers, loving them in, they were able to first get involved in the praise and worship time and eventually the prayer time. And through that year, those two Muslim women came to Christ. So helping them financially, materially, helping them personally and socially, but really having that platform to help folks spiritually is is just an amazing opportunity that's been the the joy of my life to be involved in i just love it jeff it's a great story give us a little bit about the magnitude this that was a there's lots of individual stories but there the magnitude is so significant Give, give us an idea of where this thing's grown Yes. Well, before before I do that, I have four more stories I want to share. No, just kidding. <laughs> I yes, thank you, Alan. So, big picture, we currently serve about a million clients in sixteen countries. But through the years, we have been able to and and in part, thank you, Alan, for your partnership and your generosity in making this happen. Through the years, Hope International has been able to raise about two hundred million dollars, and we've been able to. We've been able to deploy those dollars and then have loans paid back. And in our savings groups, have those savings groups save money and then have that, those dollars loaned out and paid back. So through the years, we've been able to loan out over $1.4 billion. And these are tiny loans starting as low as $20. You know, those two Muslim women I talked about had sneaker businesses. So it's really cool to see the impact not only of that material impact going from raising $200 million to deploying $1.4 billion, but also the thousands and thousands of families who have come to Christ through the platform of Christ-centered microenterprise. It's a great story. Thank you, Jeff, for, for your journey of trying to do good and then learning how to do good better. And uh, it's a great story. It is. Another question, Jeff, you know, one thing that comes to mind when you talk about that transition from, you know, trying to be generous in one way and finding out, hey, maybe just delivering more T-shirts to a place where I take the textile people out of business to this new style. I, th- I think a lot of our listeners could probably relate to that, where they've tried something. Maybe it wasn't as effective as they wanted to. Just just so we give them a little timeline. I'm just thinking of our listeners 
you know, what year did you start the business? Uh, 1992. 92. And, and then Hope. What year did yeah. you start Hope? Or yeah, 1997. And yeah, so if you're if you're uh, if if you're out there listening to this podcast and and you are involved in business and you're looking to have a higher impact, uh, love to to share with you you know a little bit more about our journey and and how you know getting involved in giving that stock away. But on the on the Hope International side, yes. On the if you're if you're involved in a in giving, here's what I would encourage you to think about. We all we all understand how closely folks look at the investments that they're making and how we look at that return on investment and how we look at the, you know, what's, what's our, you know, return on net assets. What's our, what's our contribution margin? What are, what, what are, what are my investments returning? I don't think there's enough emphasis on that in the nonprofit space, in the, in the, in the organizations that, are trying to do good or the folks that are supporting those organizations that are trying to do good. I believe the world is a better place when the when we as charities are held responsible for the investment that families are making in that charity. And there could be some good being done, but how much more could be done? How much more impact could be made if we really looked at that closely, really focused on it and said, how many more families could we bring into the kingdom? How many more families could we restore out of poverty and restore dignity in their lives if there could be tweaks and in some cases, wholesale changes made to to the way we do charity? I just think it's a great lesson that, you know, you, you change careers. Okay. So that's possible. So maybe somebody's out there, you know, maybe they're milking the cows, right? And they're thinking about getting into something else that that can that shift can happen and then let's say they get into that business and it goes well and they're trying to be generous and and but it they just find out it's not being that effective. I love the pivot you made to to find something that that was more efficient. And then I'm also thinking you have a very unique story about how you structured the sale. So one of the things and I know we want our our listeners to get out of this is some specific things. I I want to put put them in the kind of your shoes what was the catalyst for you? I know you've given a majority of the ownership of the company to a foundation. What was the catalyst for thinking about that? You know, and maybe maybe a little bit of the timeline. How old were you? How old were your kids? That sort of thing. A little about your family and, and the catalyst for thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to back up and you know, introduce. So we have yeah. three children, all married and six grandchildren. By the way, Totally, if I have a choice next time around, totally skipping the kids part and going straight to grandkids. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work, but it sounds like a good plan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, when they, when our kids were young, very, it took them on as many mission trips, and you know, as we were visiting, you know, places around the world with Hope International, took them along whenever we could, and and yeah, it was a great way. In our case, I really believe in a lot of trips like that. There's so much benefit for the tripper as compared to the person receiving. And, and I think we need to keep that in balance as we think about planning trips so that not to be a burden on the folks that we're quote unquote helping. But one of the things I always saw was they were, it was a great way to totally take the wind out of the not fair speech of our teenagers when they would come back from these trips and say, you know, but what about my text minutes or what about the color of my cell phone? And they would be halfway through explaining that and then realize Oh yeah, we just met with, you know, Anastasia or Olya or you know Jose, and that they, they would say, "Yep, 
I give up. But there, there was, it was a great way to, to, for them to gain perspective. But I would say, so started in the business, you know, in 1992. So didn't give the stock away. We gave 89% of our stock to the National Christian Foundation on uh, March 23rd of 2019. And some of what led up to that was, I mean, I've always believed that I was a steward of the business. It was really God's company. And it was, it was more of a natural progression to go here. For, for me, there's, there's a, there was a lot of tax advantages. There was a lot of estate planning advantages. But the very first step that we took was, and the reason I gave you so much background there was I sat down with my son, who's Ben is an incredible leader and is uh, vice president of sales and marketing currently at, at Keystone Custom Homes and said to him, here's what I'm thinking about doing. You know, what are your thoughts? And, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but I said, you, you really need, you know, take some time, talk to your family, talk to, you know, think about it, pray about it. But he came back, you know, we met a couple of days later and he said, I think this is a wonderful idea. I think this is something that I would be, you know, this is him talking. I would be very interested in doing long-term and it just, it just matched, matched with what he was thinking. That's, and that it was just a different stage of life for me. So, you know, I felt like it was important in my case. And I don't know that this is, if you're out there thinking about doing this, I'm not saying you have to have buy-in from your, you know, from the a potential heir of the company uh, or, you know, the next leader. But in our case, that was a natural step. And it wasn't really uh, like this earth shattering, like hand rigging, heart wrenching moment when we signed those documents and transferred, you know, our, our net worth changed a lot that day, but it really didn't change what time I got to the office the next day or how actually I, I found my, I find myself being more passionate about the business, helping the business be profitable now that, you know, that we gave 89% of it away than I was before. It's brought so much clarity to, to what, you know, the journey that we've been on. I love that. You have a great story about sharing the transaction where you gave it away with the company. You got you to share that story about maybe the reaction that you got. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we get together every Thursday morning. We have what we call our WIG sessions, our wildly important goal sessions. And we go through the, the four disciplines of execution, lead measures, scoreboard, and cadence of accountability. And it's a good, good time, very short, hard hitting. But one of the meetings I felt like I, this is obviously something I should be sharing with the group, with our leaders. We're, we're given 89% of the, the company away. And, and I just remember one of, our, one of our folks that's been there a long time, you know, I don't know, 16, 17 years. So he, without skipping a beat, he just looked up and said, oh, so you're going to be one of us now. Mm. And it was just like a, one of those moments where I didn't think about it that way, but really felt like, and it's been an enriching, it's not that all of our problems went away. There's certainly huge challenges and probably in every business. And if you're a business owner out there thinking that giving your stock away is, is going to solve your problems, sorry. <laughs> It won't do that, but it did, it did gain what, what through that moment, I felt like there was a, uh, kind of like a, 
leveling of, hey, you're one of us. We're not going to be working so that you can go buy a jet. And you probably weren't going to buy a jet, but you, you could have. Mm-hmm. And what, but now we have a real purpose. We can see that this is success of the business is going to be helping charity. So I believe there were some advantages on that side as well. Do you think it helps you actually draw employees that, that want to be a part of that? I think it does. I think it's uh, not every employee. Some, some employees sure. would just tell you, look, I really don't care. You know, just, you know, what's, what's my, what's my salary going to be? And, but I think most people, especially, uh, I'm going to make myself sound old here, but especially this, you know, millennial generation uh, is really focused on purpose. You know, what is the purpose of me coming to work and, you know, drafting, you know, you know, engineering a home, drafting a home, selling a home, permitting a home, actually being the construction manager. What's the purpose? Is it for us? There's a lot of purpose in building dreams. You know, we're building dream homes and we say at Keystone Custom Homes, we're building dreams so that we can invest in dreams. And there's, that's where the, that's where the real purpose is. If you can take that building, take, make that transition. If somebody's focused on that, being having a real purpose in life, take that transition from not only building dreams, dream homes, but then the profits from them and the, the outcome of that is investing in dreams. Like, you know, the dream that Anastasia has in Burundi or those, those two women in, in uh, Rwanda and really totally transforming their life spiritually and, and materially. So, yeah, so that, that if you're, if you're a business owner out there and you want to turbocharge the meaning behind what your employees and your team members or you bring to bring to the job every day, the meaning and the purpose and the real kind of the, the, yeah, the why, the why behind it, give it away and continue to operate the business and see what happens. It's, uh, it's really cool to, to watch. Very good. Alan, I know you did a long study and, you know, we're going to interview you on the next episode uh, and we get, you'll get to hear, share more of your story, but I know you did a study early in your career or even maybe even before you started in business on uh, uh, all kinds of different scriptures about money and, and that's that kind of thing from the Bible. Is there one that sort of comes to mind that you think about when you hear Jeff talk about this, that you could sort of ask him to reflect on? You know, there's one that's, I'd say the opposite example that was a really scary verse, a really scary section of scripture for me in, in Luke, Luke 12, where Jesus talks about the, the guy who had a great crop, a farmer who had a great crop, more than he could fit into his barns. He basically decided to tear down his barns and build bigger barns so he could store up more for himself. And then he felt very proud. He basically could retire early. And God came to him and called him a fool and basically said, you've missed it. You, you did what the world would do, but that was not the right thing to do. And then at the end, he says, this is how it is with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And what I see in Jeff's story is a guy that is storing up things in heaven. You know, Jesus says, don't store up treasure on earth for yourself, but instead store up treasure in heaven. And uh, it just seems like Jeff is on that path and it just seems like the right kind of path. 
Jeff, what do you think about when you hear that scripture? Yeah, it reminds me of that the Jim Elliott quote, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's exactly what what Alan was just talking about in Luke. I certainly, I'm still learning. And I'm one of the reasons I'm excited about this podcast is I want to, I want to be that, you know, that teacher and learner. I, I feel like I have a few things to share, but I'm, I'm still on the learning journey and excited to be a part of it. I know our family is excited to be a part of this journey and, but we're, we're still learning. I so appreciate you, Alan, as a, a mentor in this area. And um, I'm so appreciative of, of the kind of the path that you've cleared. And uh, I'm excited to you know, continue on the journey. Well, listen, I think we'll wrap it up there. Thank you to Jeff me, Rutt and Alan Barnhart. Um, Go ahead, Alan. Yeah. Jeff, tell us a little bit about the building of your business. You went from a small home builder to a one of the larger home builders in the U.S. Tell us about how you did that. Yeah, so a little bit about our business. Yeah, it was uh, there was a lot of learning. I would say along that path as well. A lot of uh, blind spots and vision, you know, and everything in between. It was it was working really hard, being a good steward. I feel like we we tried to keep our our uh, debt to equity is as in balance as possible. We tried to serve our customers well. We tried to, you know, treat others as we wanted to be treated. And we tried to think like bankers when, when 2000, yeah, actually from 1992 through 2006, build, the building industry was, I, I feel like we were very fortunate in that, that time frame. We were able to build that, build the business. But in between 2007 and 2012, half of the builders in the United States went out of business. So we went from about 100,000 builders to 50,000 builders. So, and part of that was just, there was just too much debt and there was too much, I don't know, excitement to expand the businesses. So we, we fortunately, we were, um, we were able to keep our debt to equity at a you know, reasonable rate. We tried to always keep our debt to equity at, at uh, one-to-one. I remember 2008 having a banker sit down with us. He kind of slid a folder across the table and said, uh, and this was when, you know, Lehman Brothers went bankrupt and the world was crashing the stock market. And all of a sudden, the bankers that wanted to see us, you know, borrow as much money as possible were saying, whoa, 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 we, we need it paid back now. It's raining. We need the umbrellas back. So he, he said, unfortunately, we're going to need to call your your loan on all of your model homes. We had 25 model homes at that point. And I said to him, you realize that this is our store, right? This is our, this is our storefront. This is how we sell homes through the models. And he said, yeah, I know, but we, we need pay, we need payback. And I said, well, I'm, I'm assuming there'll be a reasonable like amortization or payback time. And he said, well, 60 days. So, <laughs> so that was a, you know, one of my favorite verses that I've kind of relied on ever since I was a 10-year-old boy on the dairy farm is James 1, 2 to 5. Consider it all joy when you face trials of many kind. And goes on to talk about building character and seeking wisdom. There's also, there's also I, I take a lot of, I really think about the Psalms a lot. 
And there's a lot of Psalms that talk about the, the lament, you know, lamenting. I think there's a lot of times when we need to, when we're going through struggles, when we're going through trials, we need to share them with God. And there's, there's times when we need to share and just really be, take, be transparent and not only uh, trust that God is going to understand and take care of us, but also believe that God has the best for us in the long run. And if I had more time, I'd share with you some of the answers to prayer through the years, through building our company, through starting Hope International. We didn't realize what God was doing until, you know, 10, 15 years later. And one of the life lessons for me was to continue to pray through everything, small, medium, or large, knowing that that answer to prayer may come in a what we think is a timely fashion, or it might not come for 15 years. But lo and behold, God knows what he's doing. God is sovereign. And when we look back on it 15 years later, sometimes we realize, I see why that, that answer to prayer was different than I thought it should have been at the time. So anytime you have a large business like this, especially a home building business, it's really important to focus on the relationships. And we have been so blessed with so many great team members, um, employees that, that we work alongside with. And they, they, you know, we, a couple of our values are to invest in our people and to give back. I do feel like those, those two complement each other well. Uh, a lot of times when you focus on giving back, it adds purpose to the employees, to the team. And it also, especially with, with the, uh, a lot of folks, I don't want to say the younger generation, but a lot of the millennials that we work with, really the, the purpose of their, of their work is just as important in some cases or more important than the, you know, the paycheck they're bringing home. But I would say we have been so blessed. We have so many great leaders. We have so many folks that have really become lifelong learners, always looking for ways to, to help our clients who are building their dream home. Our trade contractors, some of our trade contractors we've had for 20 some, 30, in some cases, 30 years, ever since we've been in business and our vendors. So it's all about, I feel like it's all about those relationships. Another thing I would, I would say is, as you go through the highs and lows, this is a very cyclical business. So you have really good years, you know, like we're having this year, and you have some really tough years, like we had 2007 through 2000, I would say 12-ish. Uh, and there was a lot of lamenting. You know, I've heard it said, to complain is human, to lament is Christian. I think going through those times, I think of Psalm 13, two to six. You know, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day have sorrow in my heart. And then it goes on to talk about, you know, it's, it's a lament. Uh, but I think it's okay to lament honestly, ask boldly, and trust expectantly. Like looking forward and trusting God, realizing things are going to be hard. We don't really even know what the answers are going to be. But we've certainly gone through some of those times. And unfortunately, we'll probably go through some more in the future. But I, I, I really think that's, that's just part of the journey. I think having the right people on your team and really experiencing that journey honestly and boldly and expectantly with your team is really important. Well, I just think, Alan, thanks for asking that question. I think it's so important to hear the story and that it's never a straight line up and to the right. 
And, uh, you know, during the financial crisis, uh, that, that was real pain and how you got through it and how you depended on God for that and how you're able to look back later at that. And so I think that's one of the things we'd like to do in this podcast is not just say, hey, it's all been great. You know, we make mistakes. We try to learn from them and we try to learn from each other and get better with each other's help and with God's help. So I think we're out of time for a day, but I just want to thank my uh, our special guest, Jeff Rutt, this week. Uh, you'll be hearing a lot from him as a co-host of this podcast. And Alan, thanks for being with us as well. Please come back next week as we uh, interview Alan in episode three and hear more of his story. Until then, thanks for being part of the Generous Business Owner Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.